I'd like to welcome you all to the Department of Defense's Bloggers Roundtable for Thursday, January 13, 2011. My name is Petty Officer William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I will be moderating our call today. A note to our bloggers on the line, please remember to clearly state your name and blog organization in advance of your question. Respect our guest time, keeping questions succinct and to the point, and please mute your phones if you are not asking a question. Today our guests are Major General James T. Rubior, 22nd Air Force Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Talbot from the 403rd Wing, Lieutenant Colonel David Condit from the 302nd Airlift Wing, and Captain W. Travis Adams, Assistant Chief of Aerial Spray 757 Airlift Squadron, all members of the Air Force Reserve Special Missions Command. With that, uh, if any of our subject matter experts would like to have an opening statement, you can go ahead with that now. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, as uh, our uh, moderator mentioned, my name is uh, Major General uh, James T. Rubior. Uh, the last name is uh, uh, R-U-B as in boy, E-O-R. I'm the 22nd Air Force uh, Commander at Dobbins Air Reserve Base uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, just a brief overview of, uh, of the numbered Air Force. Uh, we are one of three numbered Air Forces in the Air Force Reserve Command. We have about 22,000 citizen airmen uh, assigned to the command, distributed in uh, 13 uh, wings. Of those 13 wings, nine of them are C-130 wings, which is kind of the subject here today. Of those nine, three of them have what we call special missions. Uh, as the, mod, uh, the moderator uh, mentioned, uh, we've got the... Uh, uh, modular airborne firefighting uh, system uh, here at Colorado Springs, and we've got Dave Condit to talk about that. Uh, the modular uh, airborne uh, spray system, and we've got uh, Travis uh, Adams uh, here to talk about that. And then, of course, the hurricane hunters down in uh, Keesler, uh, Mississippi. And uh, we've got uh, uh, John uh, Talbot here to talk about that. So uh, I'll let each of those uh, members uh, introduce themselves, and then we'll uh, get going on questions. Yes, hi, how you guys doing? I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Talbot. I'm uh, That's spelled T-A-L-B-O-T. I'm the uh, Chief Meteorologist with the uh, 53rd Weather Squadron at Keesler Air Force Base, uh, better known as the Hurricane Hunters, and we're the guys that uh, that fly through the hurricanes uh, collecting information for the National Hurricane Center uh, during the summer months, and uh, we collect information also for the uh, National Weather Service during the winter months. So um, thank you for having me, and uh, look forward to answering some of your questions. And this is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Condit. C-O-N-D-I-T, and I'm with the 302nd Airlift Wing in Colorado Springs, and I run our Aerial Firefighting Program, or Modular Airborne Firefighting Program, MAFS, and uh, our primary task is the um, work with the National Interagency Fire Center to help augment the commercial tanker force in times of need and natural disaster. Um, really, our, our primary objective is to lay lines of fire retardant down in front of uh, advancing wildfire to protect lives and property. And uh, this is Captain Travis Adams, spelled A-D-A-M-S. Uh, I'm with the 757th Airlift Squadron, Youngstown, Ohio. I work in the uh, aerial spray shop as one of the coordinators and also one of the pilots. Uh, our primary mission is to protect uh, the troops on the ground. Um, and uh, glad to be here with you, and hopefully I can answer any questions you may have. Okay, we're ready. Roger that, sir. And uh, first on the line was Dale Kissinger. Good afternoon, sir. This is Dale Kissinger from MilitaryAvenue.com. Thank you for taking your time this afternoon. I understand you in the middle of or just wrapped up your first ever special missions conference there at Peakfield. Um, can you tell us a little bit of the purpose and goals of this conference? 
Uh, yeah, Dale, and uh, thanks for your service, uh, by the way. We're looking uh, here at uh, your, your resume and understand uh, you, you served in the United States Air Force, and uh, so, so thanks for your service. Um, I'll say that uh, it was a kind of a broad uh, uh, mission uh, or a broad focus that we had. We, we took a look at the command and control authorities. Uh, we looked at uh, support of uh, what we call the DISCA, Defense Support of Civil Authorities uh, mission, and, and talked about some commonalities, and uh, we talked about uh, lessons learned. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, turn it over to uh, today because uh, the 302nd here in Colorado Springs was the host wing, and uh, Dave Condit was uh, the kind of the project officer for this. As a matter of fact, it was his brainchild. I, uh, one of the things you do, is, as you probably know, Dale, is when you're a new number, uh, a new commander, you go out and visit all the different units. And when I came to visit the 302nd, he suggested it, and so uh, we decided it was a good idea, and, and uh, we went went ahead and, uh, and scheduled it. So I'll let Dave give you his uh, uh, thumbnail sketch of what, what it was about. Yeah, this is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Condit, and really this came about in looking at these three missions and some of the similarities that we have and some of the commonalities and issues. And there are some things that we found that each wing, each mission does really well. And and they develop those sort of in their own home units, and we found that if we can get together and share what each unit does really well, that we can kind of pool our knowledge and uh, learn from each other. And the other thing is we have some overlapping issues. The, the way we do our our sort of atypical missions, which are, are tend to support civil authorities, um, tend to not be your normal military mission set. We found that there's things that we deal with on a regular basis that uh, are issues we could raise together and sort of raise the awareness and uh, generate some answers to some questions we had. Okay. Thank you very much. And hey. thank you, General. And on to Chuck Simmons. Gentlemen, thank you for taking uh, our call. Chuck Simmons from America's North Shore Journal. Uh, written a lot about the firefighting side of uh, your operation, uh, having interviewed uh, Colonel Wilt and uh, Colonel Allen last year. Um, just wondering if... Uh, the, probably the spray operation is the least known of, of the three that you do. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about the spray operation. And also, um, at the time we did the prior interviews, they were talking about acquiring the C-130J. Uh, where are we on that upgrade? Uh, I uh, I tell you what, Chuck. Uh, Travis uh, Adams is uh, the uh, the guy here that, who's uh, knowledgeable about the uh, spray mission, uh, and I'll tell you that that was. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. The spray mission didn't get as much vis visibility as some of the others, although that recently changed. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, we utilized the uh, spray mission uh, down in the Gulf, uh, trying to uh, uh, take care of the uh, the oil problem down there with operation in the deep water. But I'll let uh, I'll let uh, Captain Adams uh, uh, kind of give you his perspective on that, and uh, hopefully he'll talk a little bit about the. Uh, uh, the uh, proposed upgrade to the to the C-130J. Uh, Captain Adams, sir, as the general just um, just said, uh, the spray operations, we are the only fixed-wing air spray asset uh, within the Department of Defense. Uh, I think that has a lot to do uh, with why we are maybe a little less known. Uh, we, uh, we've only had four aircraft that were configured for the spray mission. Recently, we, we've gained two more. Uh, as far as the different type of missions we have, we go for... Um, by protecting the troops from airborne uh, diseases, basically called by caused by uh, flying insects, most notably uh, uh, mosquitoes. So um, right now, 
we have to, we are limited by, um, what's the best way to put this? We are limited by the, uh, by the label of the type of chemicals that we are spraying. Uh, so usually we fly about two hours before sunset to sunset. Uh, another aspect of the mission would be to, um, to lay down a large amount of, of chemical over bombing ranges to, uh, to uh, defoliate. So uh, if EOD personnel need to come in and take care of any uh, unexploded ordinances, they can do so safely. Uh, also, before battling the airborne insects, we have the opportunity to do so uh, while they're still in the, the larvae stage. Uh, we have quite a few missions that will support that as well. Um, and also um, a mass uh, decontamination. Uh, we can also take a look into that. Uh, we have many different missions set up that we routinely do uh, over the U.S. that uh, would uh, simulate or, or, or mirror uh, other type of missions that we may have to do uh, if, if called upon OCONUS. So it's a, it's a good training opportunity for us and all the other different installations that we support. Uh, they get an added benefit as well. Uh, maybe receive a little bit of relief uh, from massive mosquito populations or other type of uh, uh, nuisance insects. I want to brag a little bit, Chuck, uh, if I could. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Captain Adams. Uh, the, the the use of the spray mission uh, for uh, oil dispersant, uh, we had never done that mission before until we act until it actually happened. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct, sir. We we run a uh, uh, a couple of training missions with the Coast Guard, uh, who obviously is the lead agency. Um, and in fact, the way that we trained in these missions really isn't the way that it, it turned out to be. Um, so it was a it was a huge learning process. Uh, for deep water, uh, the oil spill. Um, but uh, hopefully we can build on that. I know there's another upcoming exercise. Hopefully we can take part in that and uh, and build on some of this uh, some of this knowledge that we just recently gained. Yes, this was the first actual mission. Yeah, and and I think what that emphasizes is you know that the, the flexibility and the resourcefulness uh, of these uh, uh, these crew members and uh, and and this uh, this mission. And uh, as uh, Travis mentioned, 100% uh, of it resides in Air Force Reserve Command. Uh, the thing that Travis didn't talk about, uh, and perhaps he he doesn't know, is a, a kind of the proposed upgrade to the C-130J. Uh, I'll tell you this: uh, the the uh, you guys fly H two, don't you? Uh, That's correct, sir. I, I meant to speak more of the. Uh, it seems like it maybe go towards the AMP modification as opposed right. to the uh, the C one thirty J. Right, and the H two is a very capable uh, platform. It's got uh, years. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head uh, how many years of uh, uh, service life it's uh, it's got yet. But uh, we're making uh, upgrades to it all the time. Uh, the one that uh, uh, Captain Adams talked about was the avionics modernization program, uh, which is a big program uh, uh, funded by Air Mobility Command and uh, and projected to. To modify all of the uh, the H2s remaining in the fleet, I don't know exactly where the uh, Youngstown C-130s uh, fall into that schedule, but uh, it, it's going to be an, uh, an incredible modernization. That would, you know, give us a state-of-the-art avionics and, and uh, uh, cockpit lighting and, and some other things, and uh, we'll extend the the, the, the uh, usefulness and the life of the aircraft even farther. And I'll just add on the C-130J. You may be referring to the uh, interview you had with. Uh Lieutenant Colonel Allen out of the 146 Airlift Wing last year talking about the C-130J for aerial firefighting. And um, I'll just say that, that the only thing we've even addressed in that was we've been asked to look at feasibility, and the Department of Defense is, has an ongoing um, evaluation of the feasibility, and that has yet to be determined, and really no other action has been taken. Um, there, there's no plans to buy any aircraft for the aerial firefighting. That's simply looking at possibilities for the future. Okay, thank you. And Amy, you were next on the line. Uh, yes, thank you. 
I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on the lessons learned with the oil spill. You mentioned that the way that you had been training for that mission is actually not what happened. Uh, what do you mean by that? And do you think that that will become um, a future mission of yours? Uh, yes, yes, I do think it's going to become a, a future mission. Uh, I think that uh, since we hadn't actually been brought into an operational spray mission since it was the first time, and uh, it, it, it went off very well, actually. So I do think we'll be uh, brought back into the fold. Uh, when I say that the, the way that we trained isn't exactly the way that uh, we conducted the mission, um, I speak mostly of, of parameters and then support of, uh, of other aircraft. Um, Mostly when we do oil spill operations, we're flying a, a hundred feet above the water. It's very difficult um, for us in the cockpit to actually see the oil. Um, so we basically have spotter aircraft. Uh, these spotter aircraft, they fly um, uh, 500 to 1,000 feet above us and just give us direction, left, right, uh, spray on, spray off. Uh, before, the assets uh, that the Coast Guard had, for the spotters, it was either a helicopter or a, uh, a smaller single-engine uh, aircraft, and they couldn't fly at the speeds that uh, that we planned on flying at, which would be 200 knots constant ground speed. Uh, and we do this for maneuverability uh, in the aircraft that's close to the best maneuvering speed. And again, um, we do we do all of these exercises, but our main goal would be to protecting troops and perhaps even in a combat environment. So we want that higher airspeed for maneuverability. In actuality, the way that uh, it, it went down is that we had spotter aircraft uh, from Dynamic Corporation. They were King Airs, uh, and they max out around uh, 170 knots or so uh, at, at a lower at a lower altitude. So we therefore had to draw back our airspeed uh, to about 160, 150, mostly 160 ground speed, uh, so these guys could keep up with us. And uh, also, even getting us to the area uh, where the oil was located, uh, that was all brand new. Uh, we, we had to figure out how, how to do that uh, on the fly. Uh, and it, it happened within the first story. It was, uh, it was a lot of good, a lot of good uh, knowledge sharing to make it happen. Do you, I'm sorry, do you mind if I ask a quick follow-up? How many aircraft did you uh, guys have down there? We had two aircraft uh, that were used daily, and then we also had one spare. Three total. Thank you. Very well. And uh, did anybody else join us? If not, then we'll go back around to Dale. Yes, gentlemen. Um, a question about the conference and the and the uh, training issues. Did you identify any training issues? Are you having any issues with maintaining these special qualifications while you're involved in the contingencies? Um, I'll, I'll give the first crack at that, uh, Dale. Uh, we talked about, uh, first off, let me say that the training uh, for the missions that we do right now is adequate. Uh, we have not identified uh, any shortfalls, uh, and uh, nor do we plan to uh, immediately uh, change those. Uh, however, you know, one of the things that we did was we looked to the future and we tried to, to predict uh, you know what what the future will bring. We we talked about some potential future upgrades, uh, and I'll let, I'll let each of the uh, uh, SMEs, uh, subject matter experts, uh, talk about uh, you know the kind of the future 
as uh, uh, you know as we look forward uh, and what that's going to mean in terms of modifications to their airplanes, modifications to their tactics, and and of course you know the overall goal. We are very sensitive to, to Secretary Gates and his guidance that we've uh, got to get uh, more efficient, and we've got to find efficiencies. And uh, so, uh, in keeping with that, we're we're, we're doing that uh, with our special mission C-130s. And uh, since uh, uh, John at uh, Talbot hadn't got any airtime yet, we'll we'll start off with with John. Yes, uh, thanks, General. Um, again, this is Lieutenant Colonel John Talbot with the uh, Hurricane Hunters at Keesler Air Force Base. Um, some of the uh, future operations that uh, we we uh, talked about that are on the horizon is uh, uh, an expansion to one of our missions, which is not really as well known as the Hurricane Mission, and it's the uh, it's called the Winter Storm Mission. And this is a mission in which we 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 fly and collect data for the National Weather Service. The uh, or the and, and the National Center for Environmental Prediction, which is in Washington D.C., um, the, the we, and they're called NCEP. That organization is responsible to run computer models daily on what's going to happen over the uh, U.S. North American region, say for the next seven to ten days. And um, we've been very very successful in collecting data for them over the Pacific each winter that has gone into those models. And those models have uh, um, been more accurate uh, because of that. And uh, um, that that mission was pretty much validated uh, oh, uh, two or three years ago that, that that we were able to increase their model accuracy more than what they could do with just mathematics over maybe 10 or 15 years by collecting this extra data in specific areas that were very sensitive to have that, having that data collected. So. So that's a mission that uh, we're looking at doing in the future. It, the idea here is to uh, be able to give um, emergency managers and folks that are worried about uh, flooding or, or heavy snowfall events um, a little more time to potentially prepare or a little more heads up that possibly a, a societal impact uh, may, may occur during the winter months. And uh, lastly, um, we, we have been working with uh, partners over the years and, and doing uh, hurricane research, uh, typhoon research. We uh, just spent uh, two months in Guam this past summer doing uh, typhoon research for the uh, U.S. Navy and the Naval Research Laboratory, which is in uh, Monterey, California. Um, some of that research has shown that uh, we can better predict hurricanes or better predict the interaction that hurricanes have with the ocean and the atmosphere by dropping um, oceanographic buoys and uh, collecting the data from those. So um, we're looking at a capability to uh, maybe turn that into our, add that to our operational mission in the future. And um, I'll turn it over, I guess, to uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Condit. He can talk about uh, the future for firefighting. Yeah, a few of the training issues we've identified for the firefighting is we've been delivered some uh, new systems by the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, we recently took delivery of those, and they give us some new capabilities. So we're going to begin training with those this spring to ensure that our crews are ready with that increased capability. And that, that includes the ability to respond a little quicker uh, with a little bit of different type of products that we can put on the fire for more flexibility. So we're going to initiate that uh, come May and hopefully be fully capable of that throughout this fire season. Hi, Captain Adams again. Um, really not uh, new missions as far as type of spray, but uh, perhaps the time that we spray, uh, that being uh, on night vision goggles at night before I alluded to that uh, we're basically limited to two hours right before sunset. 
for a majority of our spray operations, um, a lot of the night flying insects that we would like to target, um, they don't come out until you know late dusk and, and um, into the uh, overnight hours. Um, so with MPGs, it's something we haven't done before, and the difficulty in uh, getting approval and the training process is that we fly at such a low altitude. So we basically have to go back and uh, do some training, do some do some uh, testing on our own, and fly at uh, higher altitudes and simulate the type of chemical that we're putting outside the aircraft to make sure that we can maintain um, the control that we can at lower altitudes. Um, we're very accurate where we put this stuff by using uh, differential GPS uh, and visual procedures, and we want to maintain to do so. But we just uh, we know that we need to fly at higher altitudes because of the obstacles. Uh, that's that's one of the uh, the uh, biggest event basically com coming up on our plate uh, this summer, uh, testing the validator. As you know, Dale, the asymmetric advantage of the United States military is our capability to operate at night, uh, specifically our night vision uh, goggle uh, capabilities. And right now, we're not using that in our in our uh, spray mission. And so, as uh, Cam Adams mentioned, uh, the number one, well, the, one of the many threats, uh, probably the number one threat is uh, mosquitoes. Well, mo mosquitoes are nocturnal, uh, and so they're active at night. And uh, right now, uh, we spray for two hours uh, right before sunset uh, trying to get them, but we don't spray at night. If you had NVGs and you had nighttime capability, now you've got, what, 10, 12 hours probably of, of, of time that you could uh, spray for, for uh, you know, for mosquitoes. And so you, you multiply by five-fold uh, the amount of production. And, for instance, when you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Captain Adams, uh, when you guys were spraying for, was it Rita or Katrina? Katrina, sir. Yeah, Katrina, you, sp you sprayed, like, what, 3.5 million uh, acres? Uh, I believe it was 2.88. Yeah, 2.8. And, and it took you guys, what, six weeks? Yes, sir. Six weeks. Well, you can spray almost a half a million a night if you if you increase uh, if you have NVGs and you can and you can spray all night long. And so uh, you could knock out a uh, a Katrina, you know, two point eight million in what about uh, half you know in, in a week and, and uh, you know and really get uh, get uh, a lot more efficient. So those are kind of some of the things we're talking about and, and some of the things that, that you know we're looking forward to. Oh, thank you, sir. I did fly a lot of goggle time, special ops type guy, and. Uh, one thing that's critical is a step-down training program for any goggles. Don't start at 100 feet, move it up to 1,000 or 500 and come down. So, But thank you for the great response. Okay. And Chuck. Uh, yeah, I have two questions. The first one will be quick. I, it's Colonel Talbot with the firefighting. Um, Colonel Condit with the firefighting. Colonel Condit, I'm sorry. Um, are you guys all using the math too now? We are. We are all mass two at our wing. Um, there's eight systems nationwide. Uh, four of those systems are are fully capable at this time, and the crews have been trained, and we're going to train the other four um, sets this coming spring. So we're about half capable nationwide. The Air Force Reserve Command is fully capable this time. Okay. And then my second question goes to the Hurricane Hunters. Um, what we call here in the northeast a uh, nor'easter is a, a non-tropical cyclone. Uh, do you guys have any experience working in uh, the the winter storms uh, that, for all intents and purposes, are a hurricane, except that they didn't develop from a tropical weather system? Uh, yes, hi, Lieutenant Colonel Talbot. That's an excellent question, and. Uh, to answer your question is, is absolutely. We have a uh, our winter storm mission that we currently fly um, covers the Atlantic coast, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Pacific Ocean. Over the uh, Christmas holidays, we had uh, four missions that flew 
along the Atlantic coast and dropped instruments over the ocean to help the modeling guys produce better forecasts for the Northeast. And, we, and we've done that mission uh, for, for many, many years. Um, interestingly enough, though, um, collecting that same type of information from these instruments we call dropsons can be even more efficiently done uh, by, by dropping these instruments um, in a place you wouldn't even think of, well out in the Pacific Ocean, as uh, it usually features in the atmosphere over, over the Pacific that eventually cause the development of storms either um, along the West Coast, the Gulf of Mexico, or along even the East Coast of the U.S. So, so, so yes, we, we, we do uh, collect data, and it's done uh, a little bit differently. It's not actually flying into the storm, uh, per se, like it is for a hurricane. It's a very it's a high altitude mission, and the idea is to release um, um, a bunch of weather instruments in areas that are, are we call data deficient, where where the computer models that forecast these events don't have enough data to make a good determination of what's going on in the atmosphere. So I hope I was able to answer your question. Yeah, that and the storm you were talking about was the one that that hit New York City so badly, right? Absolutely, yeah. Over uh, over there, just after Christmas. And you you ran four missions into that area. Yes, we did. We ran four missions into that, and then uh, just this recent one, the last few days, uh, we had several missions that also collected data along uh, the East Coast for the for the Weather Service. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. And Amy. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, General, you alluded to it earlier, but uh, here in D.C., the, the hot-button issue right now is, is the budget and Secretary Gates' efficiency initiative. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on uh, what these three units or the wings' roles are in that? You know, as the budget flattens out, do you anticipate taking any hits at all, and uh, what efficiencies did you offer up in, in that process? Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Amy, that um, I, I don't have the command's perspective on what we offer efficiency. Uh, the active duty uh, Air Force and the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard, I'm sure, are all huddled up at the you know headquarters level and, and figured out, okay, how, you know, how are we going to do this? Um, I will tell you that those uh, uh, those efficiencies have not been revealed to us. Uh, I will also tell you that uh, you know the efficiencies that I talked about were just kind of things that we're trying to do, uh, just taking the general guidance that Secretary Gates uh, said that we you know we've all got to tighten our belts and try to figure out how to how to do this uh, uh, mission uh, better and and more efficiently. And so uh, it was kind of a dis at the discussion point here at this uh, conference. Uh, we already talked about uh, uh, getting uh, you know better modeling forecast uh, for for the hurricane hunters. Uh, we've talked about the uh, uh, the MAF-2 and the improvements that we've made in that system and, and uh, not only uh, in the retardant, which, uh, which we're capable of spraying, but kind of getting into uh, in the retardant, obviously, is uh, uh, trying to slow a fire down, but getting into the suppressant uh, business, which basically uh, gets the fire before it's, it gets going. And so uh, then, you know, then, therefore, you don't have as big a fire, and, and so you're not uh, talking about as big a, a calamity. And we already talked about, uh, you know, the, the ability to spray at night. So, so we're just trying to, uh, uh, you know, be good uh, stewards of the citizens' uh, money and, and, and think ahead and, and try to get, uh, uh, you know, here at the, at the, at the kind of the, the local level on how we can operate this, uh, our, our uh, Air Force a little more efficiency. But uh, as far as direction from uh, Secretary Gates and in terms of uh, scaling these missions back or cutting these missions or, or, or uh, anything like that, we've not had in, uh, any guidance. Thank you. And, and as for the conference, uh, do you guys see this becoming an annual thing? 
we talked about that. Uh, we, there were several issues that uh, we uh, uh, came out of this conference with uh, taskers, uh, is what we call them, but, you know, uh, kind of our to-do list. Uh, and so we're going to uh, work those issues uh, over the course of the next year, and then we'll take a look and, and see if, uh, you know, we, we think it's worthwhile to uh, to come together again and, and uh, you know, and, and eyeball each other, have a, a face-to-face conference and what the agenda would look like. I, I'm in favor of it, but, again, you know, the dollars are tight, time's tight, and so we'll just have to see. It's a kind of a cost-benefit analysis uh, to see if we can uh, if we can uh, afford it, so that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Okay, and we are just about out of time. Um, with that, uh, I want to thank everybody on the line for your time today. Um, Major General Rubio, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Talbot, Lieutenant Colonel Condit, and uh, Captain Adams. We appreciate your time and all the bloggers. Um, if you have any closing statements, um, then you can go ahead with those now. Yeah, let me uh, let me just uh, say, uh, and I appreciate uh, your job uh, moderating it. Uh, it was uh, very beneficial for us. Uh, I want to uh, uh, kind of point out the uh, the citizen uh, airman uh, aspect of of what we do, and and I got to brag a little bit about what an incredible bargain they are. Uh, these three gentlemen uh, represent uh, wings that have uh, that are manned and staffed with uh, citizen airmen, that, which is to say they, uh, you know, they have jobs down in their local communities uh, Monday through Friday, and they uh, they come out on on the weekends or they come out uh, when we're called to uh, to perform these missions. Uh, they're incredible bargains. For the for the U.S. Uh, taxpayer, they are every bit as capable as uh, their active duty uh, counterpart, and uh, they they kind of do it on a part time uh, basis. Uh, we didn't mention it, but uh, in addition to the special missions, each one of these wings is combat coded, so they do the what we what we would call the normal uh, C-130 uh, kinds of uh, missions. And so uh, uh, these folks are incredible patriots, and uh, together with our uh, active duty uh, counterparts and our Air National Guard uh, uh, counterparts, uh, we think the uh, uh, the total force uh, that we represent is uh, really a, a, a capable force and, and really a bargain for the United States uh, taxpayer. So I just I just wanted to brag a little bit about the uh, citizen airmen that the, the Air Force Reserve Command. Uh, is uh, is proud to uh, to bring to the fight. Thank you, sir. And did uh, did anybody else have any closing comments? Yeah. Hi. This is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Talbot with the uh, the Hurricane Hunters. I uh, just like to say that uh, uh, the folks um, um, at, at the 403rd Wing at Keyser Air Force Base obviously are are have a long tradition of doing this uh, hurricane mission, and we're very proud to be able to provide this uh, critical service for the for the country. Um, you know, hurricane warnings are very, very expensive, and and they tend to cost upwards of a million dollars a mile. So, being able to provide uh, better information to reduce the uncertainty of those warnings uh, helps save a lot of money, and we're very proud to be involved with that. Uh, we're proud we're citizen airmen, as the general said, and part of uh, the Air Force Reserve Command and 22nd Air Force. And I, I assume uh, in the future, we'll uh, we'll uh, continue to. Uh, to uh, go where the duty calls. And uh, thank you very much uh, for your guys' questions today, and hopefully uh, we'll get to Gab again. Thank you very much, sir. And once again, thank you to everybody on the line that participated today. Today's program will be available online at the blogger's link on DODLive.mil, where you'll be able to access a story based on today's call, along with source documents such as the audio file and print transcript. Again, thank you to everybody who participated. This concludes uh, today's event. Feel free to disconnect at this time.